0: welcome back to the real life theology podcast hosted by renew thank you for joining us again today As always, my name is Chris, and I'm just excited to be here with Renew, working with them, and furthering our podcast platform. On this episode, Bobby Harrington, who is our CEO and leader, has a conversation with Orpheus Hayward and Anthony Walker earlier in 2022 at the Louisville Regional Gathering. He sits down with these men, and they discuss the state of race relations in America, what that looks like how we can maybe make it better, how we can come together instead of separating more and more. Let's go ahead and check out what these wise men have to say about this situation and really take in their input.
1: I would like to also get into the conversation on uh, race, Uh, Christian racial conversations uh, by Martin Luther King and uh, more recently by George Yancey, which really uphold a biblical framework. Uh, are very different than the next slide, which is critical race theory. I tell you what, it's been in the news so much, I don't feel a need to talk about it. I just want to say this, because the Christians who came before us, and that would include some of us, because we handled our racial relations with our African-American brothers and sisters so badly, that this is a very hard conversation to have today. And if you don't know the teachings of Jesus, critical race theory sure provides a helpful framework for your lived experience. So I know I've opened up a lot. I'm trying to help us be missionaries, and uh, we're going to discuss it now, and then we'll come to what I really believe are um, God's best direction for us. So let me pause, and uh, because of what I just paused on, and we talked about it earlier, Anthony, can I get you to just jump in uh, on the racial conversation? Anthony and I have become very good friends, so we talked about this ahead of time. We're we're comfortable having this conversation. Mm. What was the last
2: line you mentioned about previous Christians? I want to frame it correctly.
1: Okay. Okay. I think that um, I, can I include myself, even though I didn't consciously do anything. Dude, I, I think we did it. not attend enough enough to the the discrimination, the mistreatment, and the uh, the pain of our African American brothers and sisters. Here is here is why
2: um, the modern view of critical race theory here's a part of reason why that seems attractive and why it seems to kind of take over as he is he pointed out um right now the answer is okay let's go back to the teachings of Jesus let's go back to the word of god let's just love people let's just do all of that and that's that's correct but you've got people who have lived generations of where was this talk when my grandparents were you know I, I my family's rooted in it and then what that ends up creating is a situation where my generation is we're caught in kind of a kind of a crossroads because we're processing what our family experienced and and even for me uh, as an african american some of my own experiences, but I'm trying to create a world that my children won't have that experience, but I may still have some scars. Now, the one thing that scars do is they indicate that you've been healed, but they also indicate that you were hurt. And sometimes the scar can be healed externally, but not internally. So the answer that we must conclude with is Jesus, but those scars, you know, how do we process that? So, so what I often do with uh, my white brothers and sisters, I try to get them to, one, be attentive to listen to an experience that you have in hand not necessarily to well i have got i've got whoa whoa just 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 understand if, if you've ever had uh, a a person who has suffered a car accident you know for a good couple of weeks six months years they may be a little hesitant to driving because of the trauma that they affected now we can't come rush in and say man driving is you know hey i drive every day there's thousands of people that drive there you you know get back out there while at some point they may have to get back on the horse, we have to understand. Now, uh, I know that we can't legislate, um, you can't legislate a heart matter. Uh, only Jesus can change that, right? So I get that, um, but that's one of the areas uh, that we have to to listen to. And then the other thing, and I, I, we got others here as well that could speak to, but The other thing is when we understand what that answer is doing, the enemy is good at creating things that we try to fill the God-sized hole in our life. All of us have a God-sized hole that only God can fill. But we will fill that with anything that seems to make it feel better. And that is whatever, I mean, alcohol, drugs, point, whatever it is that makes you feel even some of these belief systems. So the enemy's good at producing that uh and in turn creating ways that kind of um kind of divides us. So so where we are, and this is this is the frustration that I have and that I'm fighting with everything in me where we are now is we're so tribal we're so political we're so in our camps that as soon as we meet someone we've already checked off the boxes uh like bobby said the comment was made where well, you can understand it because you're a white man this person's come up with a whole ideology of a white man and what he believes and why he believes and what and the same thing vice versa if a person voted a particular way i already know and we know biblically that's not how jesus responds like it's it's relationship so you have a situation in john chapter 4 you've got jesus and a woman male female you have jew samaritan you have religion Versus religious, right? All of these things that could have wedged the gap, yet Jesus says, Give me a drink, and then I have something to offer you that can heal you in ways that only you and I know about, right? But as the conversation goes on, and he tells her, Hey, we're talking about the Messiah. You remember what she said? She says, I know the Messiah is coming. Think about that. Married five times, the man you're with is not your husband, yet in your mind, oh, I know the Messiah is coming. Sometimes we have that illusion that we think, yeah, I know, I know where to worship and I know what that's, but you still have this issue going on and only Jesus uh, can deal with that. So that's a piece of it.
1: Orpheus, why don't you jump in as well? Agree
3: with um, all that was said relative to uh, what Bobby has assessed with the modern critical race theory conversation, and what Anthony has deposited. I have a lot of friends who are uh, believers in Christ Jesus who are uh, who affirm critical race theory, but not every component of it. So I've learned that with these conversations, you have to often. Listen to the individual uh whereas we are sometimes I think all of us are prone to creating buckets, and then we we put everyone in one bucket and so with with this conversation, it's a big deal in Atlanta, Georgia. I have a a deacon who is running for office uh in the school system, superintendent uh for the state of georgia, and this is a big conversation about should critical race theory be. Uh, taught in schools. And uh, I freeze up every time he asks me uh, what do I think? And I I often have to listen to what he's fighting for specifically um, rather than create buckets. I think the the racial conversation has to be approached with a strong degree of sensitivity. Understanding a person's pain historically is important for an African-American because of the, of the experience that was so painful um, and has been generationally um, talked about within our families. Um, and then you have pockets of situations um, that happen within our country today that ignite the conversation again and kind of take the scar that Anthony mentioned and it rips off the scar and creates another wound. So the conversation is difficult. Uh, But I do believe as Christians, and I maintain this with our congregation, is that I am unashamedly an African-American, but I am a Christian first. And that simply means I am Christian by priority. So I don't have the luxury of looking at the race conversation from my own lenses. I have to look at it from a God lens. And that's where I hope all Christians will come together that we'll look at this from a God lens. When many of my members were protesting in the street, uh, I told them, I'm not against your protest. Just make sure you bring Christ to the crisis. Christians ought to have a biblical perspective and solution to today's issues. And so whether African-American or Caucasian, what binds Christ, us as Christians together is that we look at it from one lens, and that is from a biblical perspective. And I think that's the way to get to some healing. But ultimately, as Anthony indicated, uh, if I could give advice to Caucasian, our Caucasian brothers and sisters, it is to understand the journey of the African-American and be sensitive to that pain. And then we can have a common ground. Last thing, a good friend of mine, uh, brother uh, Don McLaughlin, and um, in Atlanta serves with me uh, there in the city. And I invited him to a conversation with um, when, when Trayvon Martin was, was killed at a panel discussion. And we had three levels. We had the, uh, the civil rights individuals come. Then we had law enforcement. And the last line was preachers. And the reason it was that way is I wanted them to see, you have to understand the perspective of the civil rights person, but then turn around and understand the perspective of the law enforcement who felt just as endangered um, at that time, but then end with what does God say? And Don McLaughlin made a powerful statement in in an audience that was dominantly African-American. He said, tell me more. Short statement, but powerful, because from his perspective, I cannot speak effectively to what your experience has been until I have enough in me to listen and all I want to do tonight is hear you tell me more. I think that's the perspective to build a bridge for conversation. That's great.
1: Well, thank you, man. I, uh, one of the things just um, I want you to know from the very beginning, uh, as we're developing a renewed network, we've intentionally built it with diversity. So Anthony leads one of our uh, learning communities. Orpheus has written a book on the Word of God. And we intentionally build because we want a renewed network in North America to reflect the North American culture. So like, if, if there's any doubt, I'm just declaring it up front. And that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy spending time with so much time with Anthony because we're, we're talking about these things and how we can reflect what God wants. Bobby, can I say one more quick thing, just real quickly?
2: How that works out, um, practically, uh, if you look at the book of Ephesians, um, (laughs) you've got Jew, Gentile, who have a difficult history together, and Paul brings it back to the cross. Uh, And that's the only way. But when that church unites around the cross, it then becomes an example of John 13, 35. You'll know that you'll be known as my disciples by the love you have one for another. Uh, But that doesn't take away the fact that there was some tension in that church because of what took place. But in order to address the tension,
0: all had to take them back to the cross. And so that's the solution. Thanks for joining us again today at the Real Life Theology Podcast. We are going to be moving back to one episode per week. I know today's Thursday, but we're going to be coming out every Tuesday with a new episode. So go ahead and make sure to tune in for those. For a while there, we're doing two a week, trying to get our national gathering content out. And we got all that out, and hopefully you're able to go back, listen to all those, take in all that information, all those sessions, and be able to get a lot out of them. And now we're just moving to one episode per week on Tuesdays again. So looking forward to being back with you on Tuesday.